Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Gwen and Reese as they defend the Earth inside a nursing home in episode 448. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Gwen. How are you guys? Good. Were you also those old people? Yeah, I'm very old. Yeah. Old and full of dementia. Sean's mind switched bodies because he's got a different voice. That's right. Feeling froggy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have a good week? Yeah, not bad. Good Halloween? Not bad. We had about, I think we have about 50 groups of people come by our house. So wow. much so that Holly had to run the store and get more candy. Wow. Really? Yeah. Which, because in years, you know, past. You should have gone to your neighbor. <laughs> in years past, you know, you'd just, oh, we're out of candy, you shut down the lights. But we're, we're the house that's decorated for Halloween. And Holly says, you know, I just, I really feel would feel bad closing the door and turn off a light when we're so decked out for Halloween. Yeah. I said, yeah, you're right. She says, I'm going to go to Walgreens. So I said, well, here's the thing. Go to Walgreens, and if you get candy and we don't get anybody else, just get some candy that, you know, we all enjoy. We'll eat it. That's it's our rule whenever we buy candy for trick-or-treating <laughs> in general, because we never know how what we're going to get. Can you imagine the houses that the people buy, the orange nasties? It's like, what if were they you, have it left over. What were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, first of all, no kid year. wants this. And <laughs> secondly, you're going to hand this out, and then you're, you're still going to have a bag full of leftovers because there's like a thousand pieces in a bag. Yeah, but I presume those people that buy those, they're not doing it to torture kids. It's because they have some sort of weird, sick, perverse like of them. <laughs> so they, they would be the ones that would eat them, you know? Like, uh, maybe that's why they buy maybe them. that's why they buy them. Because they like them, and they, they know, oh, people... People quit coming by the house because they're giving the orange nasties out, and so they get to keep all the orange nasties for themselves. Like circus peanuts. Oh uh, gosh, that's horrid. So how many more groups? I'm glad did you, you and I agree you... on something when it comes to the Halloween candy. <laughs> how many more groups did you have after you went and resupplied? Uh, about a half, uh, about a dozen. Yeah, enough to dozen enough to warm. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, we luckily had some left over because she went and got M and M's and Reese's, which we really like, and. So we were pretty much looking forward to having the leftovers, <laughs> uh, but no, we—I mean, we still had leftovers. So, but yeah, about twelve more groups. So it was, yeah, we just this is the most that we've seen. Of course, this was the first Halloween that I was actually got was home and it wasn't working. Yeah, because Halloween always falls in the sweep month, sweeps month. So in the past, I would come home over dinner and take the kids through the neighborhood, and Holly always passed out Halloween. So this was my first year to. Actually, get a set and pass out Halloween. Of course, we had we had sort of planned on opening the garage up, kind of blacking out the walls, putting up a nice little scary st- scene, and having the kids walk up into the garage to get candy. And uh, when we found out how cold it was going to be, <laughs> <laughs> that changed. <laughs> we had a good year. We went out and um, took advantage of Sonic's fifty cent corn dog night. We did too. Holly went ran and got corn dogs for everybody. Shy was being difficult. She's into this weird phase where she decides she just doesn't want to eat something, regardless of whether she likes it or not. She just, oh, I'm not going to eat that. And she makes herself throw up. And she did that with a corn dog. And so then it became a matter of, well, now we're going home to change. And oh. So we wound up hitting just the, the block here. Mm-hmm. And I think there were probably about six or eight houses that we stopped at that had their lights on and mm-hmm. you know she got to do the she can't say trick or treat she says trick or treating <laughs> close enough and, yeah, yeah. Close. but uh, whatever gets you candy in, in in those eight houses she got like half a bag full of candy it was probably because nobody was coming to their houses they were yeah. like unloading <laughs> their candy you're so cute have some more and we're like no really it's okay one piece of, no she deserves more so I've got a whole thing of candy upstairs I've been eating all week since Halloween. <laughs> well, I don't have kids. Oh, well, I do. But I don't have kids that trick-or-treat anymore, and so I can't pilfer their candy, so I'll, I'll take a look at Shy's before I leave. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll load you up. Because you know, as soon as... It's the first thing we do, we get back, and we're like, okay, what did we got? Uh, the Tootsie Rolls. Mm, okay, yeah, those are our... Oh, the sweet tart things. She can have those. Uh, the, no, she's not getting the full size candy bars. Who gave her that? <laughs> Just, all the Reese's are mine. I'm putting those in the freezer now. 
So. Gemma came out to my work to trick or treat. Unfortunately, hardly anyone was there. So mm-hmm. there were several offices she didn't want to go into. I don't know why. But <laughs> <laughs> then we hit the grandparents and neighbors, grandparents and neighbor, and didn't really get home to have any trick or treaters. So <laughs> Usual we bought candy and didn't have any. <clears> there <throat> didn't hand any out. So. Hmm. I mean, through all the effort, I, I had the spooky music playing, and I put the purple lights up in the window, and we, we bought two bags of candy. Admittedly, that was more so because Hershey's had that deal where if you bought the branded Adams Family bags, you got a free ticket to go see the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. So I wound up with two gigantic, enormous bags of candy. <laughs> and then uh, I even went out and I, I replaced the, uh, the light on the outside of the garage breaking the fixture in the process the little lamp part of it i dropped it and busted a pane of glass and had it all done and we had like six people i don't mean like six groups i mean like six people (laughs) it really doesn't matter what we talk about we always come back around to light bulbs somehow don't we That was quite the ordeal, actually. I spent I know, half the night looking for... I thought for sure I've got light bulbs in this house somewhere. Nope. Yes. <laughs> I, I found one that's one of the hue, color change, you know, why, it's like, no, nah, I'm not putting that one outside. <laughs> <laughs> I finally managed to dig up another one that's a, a utility bulb. And it's like, well, it'll work. <laughs> I thought I had a green one, but... Did you guys do anything else? Did anybody watch anything this week? We watched yesterday... Wasn't it good? It was pretty good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Just a fun movie. Definitely worth watching. Probably worth owning. And uh, The Sun is Also a Star. Oh, how's that one? It was okay. Just it was okay. kind of a, you know, tragic love story. I thought it was going to be more of a comedy than it was, but it was well acted. It was pretty pretty standard, you know, romantic drama story of, you know, girl meets boy and they only have a day to be together. That sort of thing. But... It was pretty interesting. It was pretty good. Mm. Well directed. Sean, did you watch anything? We went and saw Zombieland. Oh, what did you think of the sequel? We enjoyed it. It was just a lot of fun. As you said, more of the same, but I'd kind of forgotten how much I enjoyed the same. So it was, yeah. <laughs> that was quality. Because uh, while others have done similar, they haven't been the same. We uh, went over to Lawrence and saw The Current War. Oh, okay. Uh, with um, Cumberbatch and... Holland, well, uh, let's see. It's got Zod yeah. and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was really good. I enjoyed it. I don't think Mel got as much out of it as I did, but I'm kind of a, a history buff and a Tesla nut, so that's bonus for me. And then we rented Hotel Mumbai from the library, and man, is that a phenomenally powerful movie. Really, really, really good. And then we watched Dumbo, the, the uh, live-action remake. And I have to say, I'm not, I'm on record. I'm not a fan of the whole live action remake thing that Disney's doing. I think Dumbo might be up there with the best of them. I I really really enjoyed it, and I mean it makes total sense because it's 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 right in there with Burton. You know, Tim Burton has this thing. His, all of his movies are about lovable misfits, you know, and um, that's that's Dumbo, <laughs> Dumbo to a T. Yeah. But um, Again, I had, had great performances and it was just very heartwarming and, and, and cool. It was a fun movie to watch. So. Nice. I liked it. We didn't, but, wa- we didn't really watch anything. We, we did watch Hocus Pocus on Halloween, which you know I've seen dozens and dozens of times because I love the movie, but um, Mason had never seen it, so he, hmm. he liked it. How he is was, that possible? He, he sat, glued, sat glued to the movie the whole time. How is it possible he's not seen that one? Oh, you know, it's... In your house, yeah, he's he's a little <laughs> finicky when we when it comes to films, even Disney films, he's a bit finicky, and so it's one that we, Caitlin and I, you know, we watch it every year. It just becomes kind of a thing. But she worked Project Terror this year, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to watch Hocus Pocus with Caitlin this year. Um, so I was like, well, Mason, you want to watch this? And he said, sure. So <laughs> <laughs> he enjoyed it. He liked it. I I was kind of surprised. I didn't think he would, but he did. He really enjoyed it. Nice. Well, good. Roped him in. All right, well, should we talk about news? Yes, well, there's a little bit of news out there. Uh, one big piece is Sophie Aldred's wrote a novel uh, where Ace meets 13, called At Childhood, Childhood's End. As to be, not to be confused with the 
Arthur C. Clarke novel drops at the end. <laughs> uh, so there's a, there's a synopsis you can read, but it comes out in February. Uh, honestly, I, I saw that posted and I was like, oh, that that's neat. In fact, I saw Sophie's post first when she said, well, I guess Amazon let the cat out of the bag, so now I can say say I'm I'm happy to be part of this. Um, but I, I didn't even read the synopsis or anything. I have no idea what it's even about, but I think that's pretty cool. Just Is this her first novel? I think so. Kind of in the same boat. I didn't know what it was about other than Sophie Aldred wrote an ace book. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm in. That's all I need, yeah. really. <laughs> pretty much. You had me at hello. And then the just the added bonus that she meets 13. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Even if it's just like a chapter's worth of them together, I don't care. I'm going to yeah. read it. <laughs> Very cool. What else? Uh, the only other news is some details from HBO Max that hint at a series 13 and 14. Nothing official from the BBC, but the press from HBO Max says uh, it will make 11 of the seasons available plus additional three seasons to come is what the official quote is from HBO Max which just to clarify that we can't clarify because I know uh, it seemed like our Facebook page had a lot of back and forth on that that people seem to be worried that it was you know Doctor Who was moving to HBO Max exclusively just the streaming just the streaming is is what we understand is that it's you know, reruns of the show (laughs) and what they are saying by these extra two seasons is that they've signed a deal to rerun the next two seasons, which we presume now are going to be made over BBC. So as far as we know, there's no plans for them to uproot it from BBC America and, you know, any place you currently are watching the new series when it's on. Right. I think it'll be, you know, I think what it certainly does with doing that deal is it probably injects some money into the series and which will allow them to continue and make, I mean, it's easy to say now that there'll be a couple more seasons because um, of the money that's coming from HBO. I mean, it's got to be a good chunk of change. BBC America has been, you know, fitting the bill for a lot of it for the last several years because they run it. It's very popular here and they have the money from advertising to do it. So, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully that's, that means good things for Doctor Who. Um, I would be upset if they if it was you know exclusive if they ended up on that deal. I think that that would that would bother me. But as long as you know it stays first run on BBC America and then you know becomes streaming on H, uh, HBO Max, that's fine with me. I'm gonna buy the Blu-rays anyway when they come out. So. Yeah, I don't yeah. think there's too much to worry about it switching over because the CW shows, all CW shows, are switching to HBO Max. And they won't hit HBO Max until 30 days before the new season airs. So I think it's probably going to be a very similar thing where after the Blu-ray is available, after it's aired on BBC America, it will then go to HBO Max for its streaming subscription as opposed to Netflix. Same sort of situation. I I would be really shocked if the production moved over also. I would suspect, I think uh, that's... All true, certainly, but I would suspect that there might we might see a change in the way Blu-rays or seasons. Well, that could be bl- seasons go yeah. to Blu-rays. I bet, especially with these streaming services, I bet we see a lot of delayed releases on box sets. I'm that just I'm, I'm, I'm just supposing yeah. that based on the fact that these streaming services really want to be your go-to place, yeah. and if they're offering it on Blu-ray, then maybe that might deter people from signing up for services so i wonder if we'll see a different but i certainly think all the all the rest of that is, yeah, is true yeah that's possible they might be trying to move away from the release which we might see a change for doctor who that way as well possible. It, maybe the blu-rays would be delayed too so all i can say is the curse of the streaming services got me again because i was up late and for whatever reason flipped over to doctor who on pluto just to see what was playing and wound up watching the final episode of Planet of the Spiders, three episodes of Robot, and I was like, <laughs> okay, no, I'm done. I'm done. It seemed like they were actually running them in order now. I don't think they, they had been previously. No, they hadn't been, yeah. Because um, then I, I, I flipped on the next day or the day after, and they were up to, um, oh, one of the Tom and Romanas. Key to time, the Ribos. 
So that would follow that, you know, the next day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I wound up staying up for an extra two hours that I hadn't (laughs) planned on it. Because Dr. Who was on. It's easy to do. I'm sure it's not on on the news uh, docket. Did you guys happen to see the poster that the BBC released? Yeah. 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 Is that not a gorgeous piece of art? Yeah, I like it. It was very, very cool. I love the the, uh, sun flare starburst, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We're creating the... The rainbow of color on the shadow of the shirt. I just yeah. that was so nifty. Yeah. And if you the haven't fact seen that it's all it, a reflection go... of light coming out of the TARDIS as she's running. I thought that was nice too. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go go look up new Doctor Who poster. Or see go if you go to our website. It. You posted it or uh, Facebook. I did post she it on the Facebook page. Facebook. Go look at our yeah. Facebook page. All right. Well, I'm it, glad to know that you guys occasionally see things. Oh, that I, I, post. I see. Every, I've, I've got an alert, so I know what's being posted on our <laughs> Facebook. I, I probably post the least because I always post the uh, uh, um, episodes information on there and the, update the pictures. So I always watch for what you guys post. I'm sure Glenn's alert goes off. And he's like, "Oh God, Sean's at it again. Let me go yeah. look and see what it is." <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. That's a good one. All right. Well, yeah, I am your filter. So. <laughs> All right. Well, should we move on to feedback? Yes, let's move on to Jamie. Jamie writes, Hi there, Vortexers. Episode 161, Warrior's Gate. I didn't care for this one much. The costumes were well done and the effects weren't terrible, but I think this is one with a confusing story. It's not bad and it does have some interesting concepts. I just didn't find it fun or engaging. The eSpace trilogy as a whole. I agree that the word trilogy is used very loosely and seems in place primarily to market box sets. The link is solely what we're the link is solely what we are stuck in in eSpace. We get Adric, who I've gone about previously, so I won't hear, and we lose Romana too, who I prefer over Romana one, and yes, she goes that well. You also talked in this episode about Doctor Transitions. There are good places to jump in the series with a new doctor, and okay places. The same with companions, really. The first Doctor is an excellent place to jump in because, well, face it, it's the start of the show. You can't really have a better season than that. <laughs> you meet the Doctor, the Companions, the TARDIS, the whole premise is for the first time. Starting here and watching all the way through is ideal, if not a bit daunting. Plus, a large chunk of these are missing. The second Doctor focus is on whether this is the same man or not. It kind of requires that, at the very least, you've seen Tenth Planet. The third Doctor provides several jumping-on points. Spearhead from Space, Terror of the Autons, and the Time Warrior are all good. Each is a companion introduction, and none of them rely majorly on previous installments. And all these can't allow you to get more out of them. They're just not required. The rest of Classic Who has companions bridging the gaps. Third to fourth has Sarah Jane, although Robot still works well. Leela's introduction story is a pretty good one, although I'd say Robots of Death works better. Romana's introduction is decent the fifth Doctor has Adric, Tegan, and Nisa as carryovers, and I'd suggest jumping on for his run at Legopolis or Keeper of Trocken. Maybe using Season 18 as a jump-on point in general might be better. Perry, of course, comes on from 5 to 6, and Mel from 6 to 7. Seven's a little bit better than 6. Although if you start with Season 22 instead of Twin Dilemma, you might be better off. The eighth Doctor has the TV movie, which brings up audio. Storm Warning, Eight and Charlie, The Marion Conspiracy, Six and Evelyn, Eye of the Scorpion, Five and Perry, and The Harvest, Seven and Ace are introduced to Hex, as well as Blood of the Daleks with Eight and Lucy are all good introductory stories for their respective audio runs. Finally, the new series. Series one is, well, the first episode in what, nine or ten years since the TV movie? Sixteen since the last full season of Who? Series 2 is a new Doctor but old companion and all the Rose baggage. Series 3 adds a new companion that acts as a well-fresh start for the most part. And Series 4 is okay as long as you've seen One Red Bride. 5 is a really big jump-on point, and it's also where I started. A new Doctor, new companion, showrunner, etc. The same for Series 11. 10 works because of the new companion and a much nicer 12th Doctor. For Episode 162 and a return to the 8th Doctor, Scaredy Cat. I remember enjoying this one. It had some interesting ideas that played with time. Other Lives is a sweet story with little to no effect on the greater timeline or greater universe. I believe it's meant to be a Christmas special as it was released in December. It's just simple and a nice little story. Kariz is... I don't know. 
I've always imagined him as the image from the covers. I haven't listened to his stories in forever, so I only remember vague impressions. And he really didn't leave an impression of memorability like, say, Evelyn or Charlie, Aramim, Lucy, Hex, or Liv did. Episode 163, and your first game-focused episode. You covered Doctor Who Monopoly, the Doctor Who card game, and Doctor Who Legacy. I've never played any of these, although I hear there's a Legacy sequel of sorts in Doctor Who Infinity. Episode 164, and novel reviews. I've read Harvest of Time. It's a really good story. The era and the characters captured very well. I also listened to the audiobook, which is read by Jeffrey Beavers, and it's very good. As for the Resurrection Casket, I haven't read this one, but it sounds like a fun read. Episode 165. I enjoy your Gallifrey One coverage, as always, despite skipping over the on-site updates. Sean brought up the idea of a William Shatner and Adam West road trip. And sadly, with the passing of Adam West, it's not a possibility anymore. However, I would direct your attention to an ABC show based off of a Korean one called Better Late Than Never. It features Shatner, Henry Winkler, Terry Bradshaw, and George Foreman traveling to different locations in Asia for Season 1 and Europe for Season 2. It's well worth the watch. He's right. It is well worth the watch. It's hilarious. I remember Henry Winkler mentioning that at Planet Comic Con, and it, it grabbed my interest, so it's yeah. kind of on the list, but I haven't got to it yet. It's a lot of fun. The first season's like only four episodes or so, but the second season's a little longer, but just as good. Anyway, keep up the good work. Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Jamie. All right, well, let's move on to our reviews. Well, we don't have a doctor order to go with. What order are we going with? <laughs> I don't think it really matters. Actually, well, I know I don't really think it matters because I'm not sure where. I mean, we, I'm not sure which is canon. Well, <laughs> from a technical standpoint, the comic comes first in Torchwood timeline. <laughs> Does it? Are we sure? Yeah, because the audio is set post Miracle Day. Isn't yeah, this? but it is is this post Miracle Day or is this happening bef- between? Children on Earth and Miracle Day. That's, that's, that's my problem is I don't know where the the comic falls in the timeline. It's obvious from the audio because they talk about the events of Miracle Day, but the comic doesn't really place where it's happening. <laughs> I think I remember from the first comic that it was set before. It certainly feels like it. Oh, roll a dice. Flip a coin. <laughs> All right, we'll do the comic first. Okay. Torchwood, Earth's last line of defense against extraterrestrial and temporal threats from all across the universe, led by the immortal former time agent and all-around charmer Captain Jack Harkness. With the alien navigators in retreat, Jack and Gwen are menaced by a ticking... <laughs> Sorry, the smaller text made it look like tickling <laughs> genetic time bomb they have left behind in the body of their daughter discover the past and future of the woman known as Sladen as this explosive Torchwood trilogy reaches its epic conclusion ish <laughs> it reaches a conclusion I suppose maybe <laughs> possibly kind of it's a rather open ended conclusion but yeah this doesn't help. <laughs> the comic says this volume takes place after the events of the Torchwood novel Exodus Code and volume two of the comic series Station Zero. <laughs> no, it doesn't help. <laughs> oh, I guess we got to figure out when Exodus Code takes place. <laughs> I was not impressed by this graphic novel. Really? Of course, I haven't been impressed by the Torchwood line of comics at all throughout all of it. I will. I they were okay, but I felt overly confused through most of them. This one's not as been. It wasn't as bad as the, like the first one or the second one, but it just didn't have. I don't know. Maybe if I had read this before I had listened to the audio, it would have been a little bit more exciting, more interesting. But I tipping my hand. I think the audio was done so much better. For me, I I think this kind of falls right in line with, with, with what has come before on the on the Torchwood comic scene in that there's some really cool storytelling happening here. There's some great ideas, and it's very interesting to see. The, I mean, cause we, we've been dealing with the vervoids, which in and of itself is like, okay, cool. You know, that we, part was neat. Went back and found something. Um, 
it had a very Seeds of Doom vibe um, with the, the crinoid almost. And so there, there was a lot that I liked. But as with the other Torchwood comics, for me, it suffers from the editing. It's way too jumpy around, uh, convoluted with how it's put together. And it feels like there are chunks of the story that they kind of glossed over because they had to hurry up and get to the next action scene. Um, it almost it, seems like it should have been take like it added an issue and taken its time a little bit more to tell the story as opposed to trying to make it so action packed that it just rushes through and you gloss yeah. over the plot points of it. Exactly. All, all, all of these to me have felt like they needed at least one more issue to kind of fill in the gaps and slow down just a little bit to put the brakes on because they just, they're, 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 they're paced at such a breakneck speed that I feel like the story is suffering because of it. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's my biggest issue with it too. See, I, I, sort of disagree with you guys on that point i um this one i felt like was a simpler more straightforward and more linear story whereas in the past the past two volumes i felt like they were doing that they would they would jump around or they would they would cut things out for the sake of action for for advancing the story this one i thought was was pretty well paced i mean there it, this one trucks along but i think that it it has the more the more almost a more linear feel to me than the, than the previous stories. Now it doesn't help that I couldn't remember a lot of what happened in the <laughs> previous stories. I, I, I remember the vervoids being the big heavy in the last one. And then this, this kind of just continues that thread. Um, but I think they also stayed very focused on this one where the, the past two have had a lot of, uh, little side jaunts with other characters as they're developing. This one really focused heavily on Gwen and Jack and the, offspring and um you know we we got a little bit of the backstory of 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 sladen the the original sladen uh peppered in there which i thought they did rather well um but overall i i i I actually enjoyed this one i think because i felt the story was more focused i I will say that yeah that was one thing this volume had over the other volumes was that it was a little bit more focused there wasn't as many uh, extra characters that were unnecessary to the plot it wasn't as big um, and, and, and part of that, I think is probably just the fault of with an introduction, you know, with, with, it's a pilot, you have a lot of ground to cover and, um, you know, bringing in captain John and, and, and doing all that stuff that they did early may or may not have been necessary. Whereas this one is, you're right. It is a little more streamlined and a little more focused, but it's mainly the, Oh, what do I want to say? I just, I, I feel like there were cut scenes missing. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to go and get on this helicopter from the boat that Jack and Gwen are already on. And uh, it, there, there were just little pieces of the, okay, so they went from here to here to here. And how did they teleport from this to the, I, I, just, I just felt like there were Yeah, see, I think that was, jumps missing. I, I think that was sacrificed story that was necessary he didn't care what happened i mean they're pursuing this particular entity that they don't know what it is yet other than they're getting you know the information from captain john that it's their offspring and all this um but i i i was kind of grateful that we didn't i mean i don't think we needed that why why how did jack and gwen end up on the helicopter we didn't need that because it's all in pursuit of the offspring so I don't know. I did. I didn't feel like it was. Uh, uh, your point is very valid with past ones where I kept thinking, well, how did these? How did our characters get from here to here? I mean, that seemed very implausible. But to me, you know, off off panel, I imagined what's her name came and flew and picked him up. And I mean, I, I, we didn't need that transfer stuff. So in this one, I did. It did that didn't bother me that that kind of stuff was cut because, again, there was such there was a much more focused effort on the pursuit of of uh, this particular story. And so I, I didn't miss that. I, mean, or, ordinarily, I didn't feel I, like it was cut out. Yeah, ordinarily I would agree with you. But if we're doing something that specific, like, okay, we've established they are at Torchwood House. And the next panel, they are in Norway, or you know. Yeah, I don't know. And, I don't, and, see, and the, I don't the, see any the different. The time frame for her has not changed. But I don't see it any different. Well, I but I also don't see any different in like they do that. They do that in TV stories all the time, where they will, you know, cut for time. You know, a story that's happening somewhere else, 
while still uh, t- you know coming back to a story that is happening real time linearly to a point um and and just ha- because they've got to tell the the you know the story of it you you kind of fudge that in your head that well this isn't exactly happening at the same moment we're just having to because they're sharing the same screen time or they're sharing the same comic book panels sure we have to know that you know some of this is happening either prior to what the side story or the secondary story or the the it's not even the secondary story it's all part of the same story but what the other characters are doing is sometimes going to be you know told in maybe a little different linear fashion so i think that um i was fine i I know that bothered me i think my what my bigger issue isn't so much like the cutting away from the travel more of the fact that they didn't take the time to slow down to explore this idea or the repercussions of the idea of an offspring of spring of Gwen and Jack's like the emotion Gwen has a child at this point we think well no if it's post miracle day she has a child we'll see that's again I don't think these are I'm not well okay I I wouldn't leap into well no Sean didn't even say that he said that he didn't think it was so it's it's following Exodus Code, and I just looked up Exodus Code as the first novel and only novel to take place after Miracle Day. Oh, okay. Oh, so, okay then. Um, regardless, she ha- didn't she have a kid in Children of Earth? Mm, didn't they have a kid by then? No, because nah, she's holding the baby um, when she's firing the rocket launcher <laughs> at the beginning of Miracle Day. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. yeah, Miracle okay. Day was where they first had the kid. Well, even if they hadn't had a kid yet, the I mean, idea that... She was, she was pregnant in season two, but that was an alien baby. Well, that's true. <laughs> even if it did happen before, you know, the impact of them having this offspring out there and how it would change their dynamic and the emotional impact of that on Gwen and Reese's reaction, all of these things were just left on the table, not explored one bit, and they're just kind of brushed off like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's an alien offspring. You're asking a lot for a comic. I think that's, I think that's, I mean, a couple of panels is all you need. I think they could have explored that in a novel, and I think they even could have explored that more in one of these audios or on television. But I think when you're, when you're doing a panel with, you know, uh, now, granted, this is probably collected five issues, four issues. So you're collecting four issues there, and each one probably has thirty pages, thirty pages ish. Um, I just you, just you just don't have a lot of time, and so I think that I guess I'm just used to the other Titan comics that actually do take the time to explore those sort of emotional issues. Other do Doctor they? Who Titan comics, do they? Look at Alice and her grief. Well, and I, it's kind of spread out, but they do take the time to do it. Yeah, I think Alice... So I, I guess I, I just hold Alice Titan and, comics and, to a higher standard than the yeah, torture delivers. I think Alice and... Uh, who's the other companion? Uh, in the uh, uh, Butterfly Lady? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that they've... Gabby, I think that it feels... Gabby, yeah. I think it, it feels like they've explored that because we've been with their story arcs from you know, the beginning. And so I think it feels like they slow down to kind of do that, but I think a lot of that maybe I, It is a longer from, arc, yeah. Mom, no, maybe maybe some of that. that comes, though, from our perception of when they do it, we kind of get it through, um, yeah, over over the longer period of time. I think we feel like we have explored more of that. When when you're dropping, you know, the, the an adversary in here that is the offspring of, Jack and Gwen, I think you kind of deal with the subject at hand and then you deal with that kind of because I mean she's obviously still alive. Yeah, I mean they could the they end. could have still and so explored. So I it. think they can they still have room to explore that. So they, maybe I'm maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they eventually will address it. Well, and Gwen so, seems very much more phased by it than Jack. Well, and I didn't I, really expect Jack. I didn't expect yeah, Jack to be faced by I, it at all. When, when, when you are immortal, you probably have several kids running <laughs> around. That, it, you, oh, this this is your son, huh? Given, oh, you Jack, know. Jack, oh, hey, you have another one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Surprise. Jack, Jack was also willing to sacrifice his grandson in well, that's true. Miracle Day. So yeah. it's, I mean, it was for the greater good, but... But um, everything's off the table with Jack and kids, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Gwen seemed very much more hung up on it, which she's like, it, "It's it's us. It's you know, she's got your chin. She's got you know, she she was having, I think, more trouble getting past that idea." Yeah, um, I think it's conveyed, but I think he's got a valid point that they don't really kind of 
delve into it enough. Yeah, no, I agree. But yeah. that's that's where I'm saying is that if, if you're going to give Gwen direction. this reaction to it, I agree with Keith. I would have liked another panel or two kind of, even if Jack just says, we'll deal with that later, you know, and she yeah. has to clamp down on it or something. But she is fairly shaken by this revelation. Um, and with Gwen being Gwen, maybe not in a bad way. Maybe she's starting to now entertain the, well, I've kind of always wondered what that would have been like, the life with Jack, other than this life with her. You know, because that's part of her uh, dynamic. Yeah. So I, I think there was a lot to unpack there that they didn't. And I, I understand. We've got X number of pages. You've got to get from here to here to here. And, you know, it's not even the travel that I'm all that hung up on, although it just it felt choppy because of that. Um, but it, it just... And, and to be fair... There's also situations and characters and settings that were introduced in Exodus Code, and we haven't read it. So there, there, oh, there may true. be some of these ideas are are not strange and unusual and new. There, they've been some of those seeds have already perfectly been set yeah. up, and we just weren't aware of the setup because we kind of read them out of order. But yeah. again, it's it's not that it was a bad comic. In fact, I, I enjoyed this one uh, just for comic's sake. I, you know, the art was good. I felt like, you know, it was, it was a fun read. I just... What sort of alternate dimension have we slipped into where I'm defending a Torchwood <laughs> story against you two? <laughs> wow. I just overall haven't been impressed by the comics. The same one where we agreed on Orange Nasties and Circus Peanuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that was an indicator right off the bat. <laughs> Something's amiss. All right, well, do you guys want to move on to the audio, or are you going to trash it? Too? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten lies. And another thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's been four years since the miracle, and Gwen and Reese's lives have gone back to normal. Very normal. They're raising their daughter. They've got pictures. They'd, only, they'd be only too happy to show you. <laughs> they're living in a nice house, and they're almost the top of the laundry. Captain Jack Harkness has been missing from the world and their lives for a long time. But late one night, the phone rings, and they're summoned to an isolated part of North Wales. The Bryn Offa nursing home contains a dark secret, an alien threat, and someone who really shouldn't be there. Gwyn and Reese are about to discover that Torchwood stays with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I like this one. This one I liked. Well, Keith, what'd you like about this one? Uh, well, I liked having Gwen and Reese back together again. I've always liked Reese as a character and liked their dynamic together because I thought he would rein her, he always reined her in and made her more of a likable character than she was when she was on her own. So having the two of them together off on this adventure post-Miracle Day is, was just a lot of fun. And the idea that, you know, it winds up being this not quite benevolent alien threats of, you know, Jack was trying to do the right thing and kind of help and it backfires on him and it's, you know, the just the idea of this alien species that switches bodies every so often just to keep the playing field level is such a cool idea and that they think that the humankind needs this gift too and them trying to fight it. I, as listening, as I was listening to it, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And if, you know, this was really Jack and this old man's body and what was going on. So I was also on the edge of my seat trying to figure out what was happening the whole time. We sort of get to a point where they do, they set up the thing where they send the old man who's now Karen or Carrie or whatever back to the home in order to allow them to break in that night and when they sit down and they're talking to Gary about and he's trying to convince them you know of of you know well this is people uh, basically what it's like living with dementia and i was i was sitting there thinking wow they're really going to do this this is going to be end up being a no this really is all harmless and it's all <laughs> in these guys but all in the back of my head i keep thinking well but how would this character, this guy, know so much about Gwen and, and right. so in the back of my mind, and then they obviously don't go there. But I, I really had Gary had me convinced 
that <laughs> perhaps <laughs> that we, there was a big misunderstanding here at some point. Which, if a if a audio can do that in the middle of it like that, I, I think that's 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 pretty darn good storytelling yeah. because it has me wondering, as you were saying, trying to figure out what's really going on here. Is this really Captain Jack? Suddenly, we you know we've got somebody else in this. Uh, uh, old man's body as well. So what's going on here? So. Yeah. Well, and then I was totally convinced that the guy in charge of the nursing home was bad and behind it all, and that wasn't the case. That was Gary. That was Gary. <laughs> yeah, Gary. <laughs> That's from top to bottom. There's. So I many... thought he was a doctor, and then finally he's. They finally said, well, "I'm not a doctor." I was like, "Well, okay, now what do I call him?" <laughs> and then top... I latched on that he was Gary. From top to bottom, there are so many things to like in this, starting with the 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 Gwen and Reese relationship where they're bantering and they're back and forth and they're happy because it's, it's easy for Gwen and Reese to kind of get at each other's throats a little bit as you said he yeah. kind of reins her in and a lot of times he's not very nice about it but it's needed because Gwen goes so far off the deep end so quickly that you need that grounding presence to do it but at the open they're very light married couple and I had forgotten how much I missed you know, I, I really have. I've missed these characters. I really liked them when they were in that mode. So right off the bat, we get some great stuff with them. But then to go into the the, the dementia and the Alzheimer's kind of talk, and I don't know about you guys. For me, that's always been kind of, that's my fear. You know, people talk about things that scare them, like, you know, dying in a fire or something like that. Okay, yeah, that's horrible. I I am very much in the... I don't want to lose my mind. Mm -hmm. That scares the, me more than just about anything else. Just the idea of being trapped in a shell of your former self. And the way Gary describes it is so richly detailed that even that was making me very uncomfortable because it's just like, ah, yeah, it, it, I don't like this. I don't want to be. And so there, there, there's that element to it. And then having these aliens that they pull the rug out from under you and they are benevolent. They're not really the bad guys, even though they are the bad guys. But you know, as Jack says, always beware of the ones that think they're the good guys. <laughs> so that was pleasant. And then the, the Gary story arc winds up with, cause you're all prepared for him to be the, 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 the bad guy. You're, you're just waiting for the shoe to drop and go, yes, I'm actually injecting them with rat poison. <laughs> and it never goes there. And it's such a, um, a nice non-tropey moment because as soon as you have a scene in a nursing home, you're going, okay, where's the abusive orderly? Where's the, you know, that's just the way these things go. And there's none of that present here, which was such a, um, a pleasurable relief that I think it really allowed the other elements of the story to, to come into focus and just shine just top to bottom. I liked this one. Yeah. I think, one of its benefits is is putting both uh, Eve Miles and Kyle in, in this together as as Gwen and Reese because I think those guys play off each other so well and the chemistry is there and um, I know from just interviews and things that they're just the best of friends in real life too they just absolutely enjoy each other's company and and get along so well and it just comes across that they they thoroughly like each other and uh, this is. This is where we get into the comfortable territory. It, Reese and Gwen's relationship, I always felt early on, was kind of this weird, chaotic mix of, and especially when they were, you know, experimenting with some of the relationship dealings within the group of Tor Torchwood with um, Owen and and Gwen's little tryst there for a while as well. But I think what the one of the you know, there's a lot of things wrong with Miracle Day. But one of the best things that I think Miracle Day did was finally cement and establish that relationship between mm -hmm. Gwen and, and Reese. And and really, it's almost when you see them together in that, it's like it, it clicks that, oh, they were so right for each other. And even when they're at each other's throat, it's often very much in a... You you still see the love for the mm -hmm. for each other in, in the mm -hmm. characters, despite you know the the bickering that sometimes goes on, uh, especially because it often is followed by these really kind of heartfelt or or genuine moments between the two that I think that work really well, and that carries over into this. And I think it's the familiarity of the. I, I think the scriptwriter for this uh, probably had a lot to do with that, and I don't want to underserve her uh, writing in this, but I think Eve Miles and Kyle and bringing 
so much uh, uh, to the characters that they've you know been attached to for so many years really helps that. I think my only problem with this story, and it's a really kind of a minor one because it, it's so enjoyable for to have the two all the way through, is that it ultimately comes down to Jack doing something to save the day. Um, that that Gwen and Reese don't really get that heroic moment. Yeah. And there's always something on the line for those two. And in this case, it's the daughter again. Mm-hmm. Or not again, but it's the daughter this time. Uh, but there's always something on the line for them, especially for for uh, Gwen. And so that was the only thing. Was I, I had hoped for a little more of a, you know, well, these two, I mean, by the end, these two are reforming <laughs> Torchwood. So, um, but I, I kind of wanted them to have more of the impact on the outcome of the story than they did. Not just ultimately go, you know, well, you know, Jack saves the day again. I mean, it's, it's fine to have Jack save the day. But when it's his story, you know, this right. is this is <laughs> not, this is Gwen and Reese. Really even in this. Yeah. And this is Gwen and Reese and and, and he's in it and he's not even he's not even it's not even John Barrowman. <laughs> it's another actor because he's playing the, the body that he's that he's which I'm gonna throw out a props to that guy because Oh, he did a great job. He did a really great job of playing Captain Jack as trapped in somebody else. I mean I, I wasn't unsure that it <laughs> that it was Barrowman for a while, especially early when he kisses Reese. <laughs> um, that that was another thing I struggled with. It, was, it didn't feel like Jack to me. There, there was only one moment where it didn't feel like Jack. I thought early, I felt very much like it felt like Jack. Later, when he's retelling the "this is what happened," that did not feel like Jack to me. Because regardless of how well-meaning these aliens were or how well-meaning Jack was for, or however well-duped he was to, to kind of fall into this plan, the idea that he would be okay with them experimenting on these people for the greater good, I felt after Children of Earth, we've kind of done that. He should have and learned his lesson. Exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like he wouldn't do that. But quite honestly, it wasn't until you mentioned that he was willing to sacrifice his grandson, I'd kind of forgotten about that element of it. And so, well, no, maybe I can't say that about Jack. So <laughs> all bets are off again. But that, for me, was kind of the only moment where I was like, eh, maybe not. But. Yeah, see, for the most part, for most of this, it didn't really kind of feel like he was portrayed. But but I also kind of wrote it off in my head, well, it's not technically, I mean, it is. It's Jack, but it's Jack's mind. But it, maybe this is how. Maybe this is the cadence and the and the the. I think that's what was off. It was it was the. It wasn't almost what he the things that he said or the way that he acted. It was more of the the cadence of how things were. I still it still felt like. That's why I think I went to the 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 idea so early of maybe I'm being duped. Maybe this is really mm-hmm. all really a harmless misunderstanding because of the fact that. I really kind of felt like it was somebody else trying to be Captain Jack. And so mm. I think that that's where I was for most of this. Now, I think I settled into accepting it and it feeling more like Jack there towards the end when we're getting the explanation for what's going on and where Jack's at, everything like that. I there is where I felt it was better. But um early on it was just it was really a struggle for me to go is it and and well, I again, that... I thought maybe they were creating that that um feeling for me or, or doubt for me because of where I thought the story was going. I think they were doing that on purpose because they Gwen and uh, Reese weren't convinced right away that it was Jack either. Yeah, so true. I think the performance was doing that on purpose to make you as a listener not be sure, is this Jack? Who is this? What's really going on? Right. That, that's certainly true. Let's get you to bed. There's an offer I can't refuse. Will Reese be joining us? It <laughs> was a good, was a good line. <laughs> And one of the other things, just as, you know, as someone who really appreciates continuity (laughs) and blatant, fairly blatant continuity, especially when it's, you know, been so long since something has happened, this is really the first story. We don't know exactly when the conspiracy takes place, but this is the first of the big finish stories that it's clear, okay, this is taking place after Miracle Day. And so just the ideas of what's going on and exploring what's happened since then 
just had me very excited. That's a good. That's a good point. You're, that was uh, another reason to enjoy the story was the continuity. Yeah. Drops throughout it, setting up you know the post miracle universe. Yeah, but uh, you know certainly because Yanto's story is obviously not being ta- taking right. place at that time. It's obviously before Children of Earth. And, and spoilers from uh, trailer at the end. The next one is obviously set prior to way prior. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, though, I think that I got the feeling that uh, Jack's story, which was the first one, was set after because we're talking about the committee, which is part of the yeah. Which now re- it ret- this story retroactively helps justify you know the committee, and right. it almost helps elevate miracle day a little bit by saying well yeah the three families they were bad but these guys were pulling their strings so we're exploring something more and adding more weight to miracle day is never a bad thing i would agree (laughs) yeah i agree 100 percent with you as soon as i got those little drops throughout this it was like oh okay oh all right that's this is what yeah that's really cool and 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 as someone who kind of apologizes for miracle day anyways (laughs) It's nice to see that Big Finish is not just ignoring it completely. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think Miracle Day raised... One, one of the things that I liked about Miracle Day was the, at least initially, the kind of attention to detail with people are still getting sick. We just, you know, they're not dying from these diseases. So now the antibiotics have to be rethought. And all of the work that went into the, well, what would happen? Yeah. I really appreciated that elements of it. And so to go into a post-Miracle Day universe, I like the fact that we're still kind of dealing with this, even if it's small things, but that it's, it is it is still being brought up that this was a thing. This happened. So. Yeah. Cool. Anything else about these two stories that you guys uh, want to point out? All right, well, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up on the schedule, some more big finish as we continue to celebrate their 20th anniversary. We're dipping our toe into Gallifrey waters uh, by doing the first two stories of uh, that first box set. And I don't have the names in front of me, but you can go and uh, check out our website because this schedule is posted. Be sure to check out the website and uh, for more updates. And while you're there, um, be sure to click on that patron link. Consider supporting us on Patreon. And remember, you can send comments to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or by clicking on the send feedback link on the website. And until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.